thank you very much for the opportunity to come and spend some time with you again. We do really enjoy our week in Ireland and our, our time uh, with you. It's a real privilege every time. I don't know how many times it is we've been over, uh, but he still invites us. So if you don't want us back, then he's the guy you need to speak to. But uh, it's, it's really nice uh, to be uh, with you. Another year, um, another year of challenge, another year of struggles, various aspects of our life, but another year of worshipping God, and another year of God proving His faithfulness to us. Amen? Amen. It's another year where we see society moving further and further and further away from God's Word. I don't know what it's like here in Ireland, but certainly in the UK, we see more and more laws being introduced and social norms being accepted that are further and further away from what God says in His Word. In the UK, we're facing the challenge of genders being redefined and of the difference between boys and girls being called wrong and it's increasingly becoming very clear the difference between the direction that our society is taking and the direction that God's word teaches us that we should follow how much more important it is for us to continue to look into God's word and to study what it says for us you see our society were facing so much more disappointment and disillusionment and loneliness. I'm sure it's the same in Ireland as it is in the UK where these challenges are really affecting so many people. In my own workplace, there is more and more attention on mental health support. In my own department, we have people who are still continuing in their, in their work but are having to get the help of professionals to help them cope with the struggles of, of anxiety, the pressure of life, people losing the direction in their life, people losing the purpose in their life. But praise God, He has a purpose for our life. He has given us a purpose. And we've been doing that this morning, haven't we? Worshipping Him. Worshipping Jesus. I don't know what your daily readings are like, but every now and again, I like to read through the Gospels and go through the Gospels and see again how wonderful Jesus is. See him dealing with people on the day to day. And I know last time I was here, I was in uh, John chapter 3. This year, I'd like us to look at John chapter 4, <laughs> if that's okay. And there's a verse in John chapter 4 that we'll go to first of all. Two verses in fact. John chapter 4 and verses 23 and 24. Jesus is speaking and he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. 
And then he says, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. We'll read some more verses later on, but those will do us just now. When I was reading through John's, uh, John, uh, this chapter of, of um, John's Gospel, it was this verse that jumped out at me. In fact, it was the end of verse 23 that jumped out at me and, and just amazed me again. They are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Father God is seeking. I don't know if you, you've, you've thought about that. God the Father, who created the universe, is seeking. Normally we think about people seeking if, if they've lost something. But God's, God's all-knowing. God knows everything. God created everything. And yet, He's seeking. Around my home, we have changed our street lights. And it's no longer the old-fashioned yellow sodium lamps that used to send as much light up as they send down. It's now modern LED lights. And it's all about energy-saving lights and it puts the, the light down. But what it does do, one, as well as energy-saving, one of the other things it does, it allows us to see the stars. <coughs> do you ever look up and see the stars and just say, Wow, God. You have created an amazing galaxy. You know, I was reading that there are a hundred thousand million stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way. A hundred thousand million. We appreciate the sun, but there's a hundred thousand million stars in that galaxy. And yet, God is seeking out you. God is seeking out me. Have you ever felt overlooked? Undervalued? Maybe as if you're a nobody. But God is seeking you. God is seeking me. Is that not amazing? That the God who created this universe is seeking out my life. He's seeking out you. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 139 said, Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God is seeking out the individuals. But there's so much in this episode of Jesus' life that tells us a bit more about who God is seeking. So let's read a few verses from this story. I'm sure many of you already know it, but it's John chapter 4. Let's look at it from verse 1. Let's read it together. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. 
although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks for you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Down to verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I found it amazing. In the verse that Jesus is is reminding us that God is seeking that we find where is Jesus seeking? Where is God seeking? And I was so surprised what this chapter teaches us. Did you notice in that the start of the chapter that Jesus has just left the religious capital of Israel. He's leaving the centre of Israel. He's leaving the place where all the Pharisees are, where all the religious uh, teachers are. He's leaving the place where lots of people have followed him. He's leaving the place where many people have been baptised. And he's reaching out to somewhere else. He's come to Samaria. He's come to a a region that's despised. He's come to a region that people look down on. He's come to a, a part of the country that people don't think anything of. And he's come to speak to a woman who back then women were treated as second class citizens. They didn't have the equality uh, with men that uh, is right and proper. They were treated as, as second class citizens. In fact, he comes and he doesn't even go into the city. Did you see that? He went and sat at the well and the disciples were sent in to get lunch. He is here seeking. And who is he seeking? He's seeking a woman. Let's just look at a couple of verses in verse 16. This is what Jesus said to the lady. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands 
And the woman, you, the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. You see, this woman that Jesus is speaking to is an outsider. Even in a town of outsiders, she is socially excluded. She's been going to collect water on a daily basis and her neighbours have been pointing the finger. Her neighbours have been gossiping about her. So much so that she's now going to collect water in the midday heat just to get a break from all the abuse of her neighbours. She's totally socially excluded. You know, she's been looking for so long for that acceptance, hasn't she? Five husbands. Any, you, you can ask Linos afterwards. One husband is plenty. It's bad enough. Five husbands. She's been looking for that satisfaction and she's been excluded. And yet, Jesus is seeking her. Jesus is seeking her. I just found that so amazing. While others look and see someone to despise, someone to look down on, someone to, to think, oh, I'm glad I'm no her. Jesus sees potential. Jesus sees the potential in her. And of all the places to come to, he has come and sat at that well not for a drink, but to meet with her. I don't know if in your life you're struggling for that satisfaction. You're struggling with what people think of you and you may be preoccupied with what people think of you. Well, here we see that Jesus is interested in you. Jesus doesn't care what other people think about you. Jesus sees the potential in you. And there's nothing that will exclude you from this. Nothing will exclude me from this. Jesus said, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Whoever Everyone here, everyone here, if you drink the water that Jesus is offering, if you are willing to accept him into your life and welcome him into your life, he will bring the satisfaction that nothing else will bring. That's amazing. But let's go back to that verse um, that, uh, that really struck me um, when I first uh, started reading through this chapter. Not only is the Father seeking, what is the Father seeking? What is He seeking? Worshippers. 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 When He saw that, that lady at the well, he saw her potential 
as a worshipper. Her potential as a worshipper. You see, I don't know if you realise, but when we are in church, worshipping, and you feel that in your heart, you feel that comfort, you feel that safety, you feel that, just that warmth of God's presence. Do you realise we're doing what we were made to do? When you're going to work and um, you're maybe driving or getting a bus and you see the sun just coming up over the hill or maybe you go to work too early to see that. (laughs) Have you ever seen the sunrise and just thought, God, you're amazing. You're doing what you were made to do. When you're at home and you're just thinking through a song that you were singing on Sunday. You're doing what you were made to do. Or when you're talking to someone and you're just telling them about Jesus and you're just praising Him by sharing your faith. You're doing what you were made to do. Because the Father is seeking worshippers. And we, that is what we were made for. That is our primary purpose. Maybe you know First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Here's how Peter expressed it. He said to the Christians, But you are a chosen people. You've been sought out. You're chosen. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. That, that you may declare the praises of Him. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. You know, it's it's so encouraging to think. As I said, we come every, every year and I can think back over the last year and I have disappointed the Lord. I've let him down. I've done things I shouldn't have done and I've not done things I should have done. But praise his name that when I draw near to him he does not come as judge. He does not come to condemn me. But he comes to welcome me as a worshipper as I praise his name. And this lady was soon to realise that. That Jesus was not to condemn her. He did know her past. But he saw the potential in her to be a worshipper. To be a worshipper. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. I then noticed it's not just worshippers that God is seeking. What kind of worshippers? It's true worshippers. True worshippers. Worshippers who worship in spirit and 
in truth. You know, many of us uh, will remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, you must what? Do you remember? You must be born again. And many of us know that. But here's another must that Jesus said that maybe is less well known. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Here's what um, the message says. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. You know, the Lord wants all of us, our very being, of our very being to worship him. Right from the depths of our heart to worship him. Did you know that Jesus actually rejected some praise that he received when he was on earth? In John chapter 5 and verse 41, Jesus said these surprising words. He said, I do not accept praise from men. I do not accept praise. You know, it's possible for there to be false worship. You know, Jesus recognized that these Pharisees that he met elsewhere, that they praised God with their lips, but not with their heart. Not from their heart. They had the right words. They could put on the performance. They could appear as if they were worshipping God. But in actual fact, in their heart, they weren't. They were just going through the motions. Jesus said, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God is looking for true worshippers. Worshippers in spirit who give their whole selves to him. Give our whole selves to him. So when I'm at work, when I'm in my office, when I'm travelling to work, God is looking for me to worship him. When I'm lecturing my students, God is looking for me to do it in a way which is honouring him. Worship him in spirit. And also in truth. Is it not amazing that Jesus left all the religious pomp and circumstance of, of Judea to come to this little town of Sychar to seek out a true worshipper. To seek out someone who would worship him in spirit and in truth. All of the wealth, all of the appearance, all of the properness, all of that, he's left behind and he's come seeking a true worshipper 
who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Both our hearts and our heads. Spirit and truth. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, this is a a verse that I've been dwelling on just this this, uh, last week. Let me just read it. Verses 15 and 16, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I've I've been struggling with anxiety again, um, with the work pressures and the stress. um, And uh, I read this verse. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let it rule in our hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When I think about us being true worshippers, worshipping in spirit and in truth, I think about hearts ruled by Christ's peace and heads filled with his word, knowing his truth, dwelling on his words. I hope that we, through this week, will continue to enjoy dwelling upon how wonderful our Saviour is so that his peace might rule in our hearts and his word might dwell in us richly. Because out of that, we will become true worshippers, worshipping in spirit and in truth. But how did this lady respond how did this lady respond to this knowledge that God God the creator God was seeking true worshippers and had come to speak to her well let's read on let's read from verse 27 just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Let's go down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves And we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. You know, I I have known this story from Sunday school days, from going as as a youngster and hearing people telling me. But I never, I, I, it's only recently that I have really been amazed by this particular story. 
the first thing that amazed me was what the, the lady said. She's believed. She's believed in Jesus. So much so that she's gone back into her town. And did you see what she said? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Here's this woman who has been excluded, who's been going to the well to collect water in the heat of the day in order to avoid people gossiping about her, to avoid people pointing the finger and talking about her life. And as soon as she's realised who Jesus is, she's gone into the town to the people who've been accusing her and say, by the way, you know everything I've done. Here's a man who told me everything I've done. He's the Christ. He's the Saviour. He's the Son of God. You know, the very fear that was limiting this woman, her fear of what others thought of her, became part of her faith story. Became part of her story of faith. The fear that held her, she's now using to win people for Jesus. She's now using to tell people how wonderful Jesus is. To show people the difference that he makes in her life. Her fear is not only overcome, her fear is not only taken away, but she's actually using it to tell others about how wonderful Jesus is. I just thought that was totally amazing that Jesus did this for her. Her fear became part of her faith story. And God blessed the testimony of that lady because the townspeople believed her testimony and as a result they became Christians as well. They trusted in Jesus as well. Verse 39 said, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. But I just love it. The Bible, I think, has a sense of humour. I think God has a real sense of humour. Because there's someone, there's that lady, who was trying to avoid people telling her how bad her life was. She's told people, come and see a man who told me everything I did. So that's recorded in a verse. And then, just for good measure, God's decided, let's put it in again. So down in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. It's repeated again. Everything that she did, the things she was trying to hide. God is using that to reach out to more people. It's repeated twice. I thought that was uh, really quite, uh, quite funny. The fact that it's repeated in, in the Bible a second time. But because of that woman's testimony, many of the Samaritans came to him. 
Not only that, but when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. You know, Jesus was just passing by on the outskirts of that town. But that one worshipper that he found, that one lady who was an outsider, who most people didn't give a chance to, who, did, who looked down on, because of her, and because of her testimony, and because she acknowledged what Jesus had done in her life, Jesus stayed in that town two days. And many more became believers and knew that he really was the saviour of the world. I wonder as you've come to church this morning, whether you feel disadvantaged, if you feel a bit of an outsider, if you feel that others look down on you, if you feel that you don't have the chances that other people have, you don't have the opportunities that other people have. Well, please, be assured, Jesus sees the potential in you. Jesus sees the potential in you as a true worshipper. And Jesus, through his power, not through your limitations, not through my limitations, but Jesus, through his power, can reach others and bring others to himself. I hope that these few thoughts and these words from God's word are an encouragement to you as they were to me of what God can do in our lives as we seek to live for him and we seek to worship him.